This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be So I think it's time that you get on your feet and put your hands together because here is Gary back for another session. So, uh, there's a couple things I want to talk about while we're here and want to make sure I'm hitting more mature businesses around management and structure, managing people, startup culture, uh, the framework of attention, which is I think the one thing that really runs through this entire uh, conference is before you can tell anybody how good your trampoline business is or your art business is or your SaaS product or you as a personal brand or we all are trading attention. And, and I'm obsessed with this. It is why I believe anybody who's been successful is able to achieve their goals, and there's a lot going on there. So I, I think the thing that I wanna start with is that we've gotta really wrap our head around the framework that we're living within as business people. This device is the remote control of our lives. This device is the remote control of our lives, and you are going to be in a scary place with the amount of time you actually are looking here versus looking in the actual world. You may judge that, you may think that's bad or sad or ruining the human race. It's completely irrelevant what you think, it's what's happening. And so I wanna make sure that everybody starts backwards. For you to get what you want in your life and business, you have to give the other people the thing they want so that you get what you want. I call it 5149. Basically every relationship I have, every business dealings I have, and the way I frame up my entire being, it's why I have popularity or cult of personality, it's because I think it's smart to give more to an audience than you ask for in return. And so when you're building your product and your service and whatever you're up to, you need to find the angle of leverage. You are competing with a lot of other people that want people's attention. When I started working with Budweiser, the beer, it was crazy to me, I walked into a meeting and I said, you know, okay, we're competing with Miller or Carlsberger, we're competing, right, we're competing with, and they said, we're comparing for share of throat. Budweiser globally worries about how much water you're drinking, how much Coca-Cola you're drinking. I mean, it was just really interesting and it was kind of how I think about attention. You may be thinking you're competing against somebody else who has a trampoline business, you're not. You're competing against anybody who has anything else to do that weekend in Denmark with those four hours. So we are living through a world, my friends, where there's more options than ever. How many people here manage, how how many people here have more than 10 employees? Raise your hands, right? We're living in a world where our employees have more options than ever, either to do things for themselves or other employers, and no matter how good your labor laws are and how long they have to stay with you before they go to the new job, they still have options greater than there were 10 or 15 years ago. So I think the biggest thing that I think a lot about is supply and demand. It is such a simple, basic business trade and it's something I'm very intuitive towards, and it is basically how I think about everything, how I manage my people, how I create my business, uh, how I 
treat my customers. It is a supply and demand world and you need to understand that the cost of creating things that can pull our customers' attentions away from us has gotten so low that there is so much supply. There is so much supply of information and videos and pictures that this is the reason that I believe that advertising, not that it's dead, but the thought that you're gonna put out something that is selfishly in your interest and you're gonna get somebody to actually pay attention to it with the technology advances that we have today and with all the supply of information is almost impossible. And every day that goes by, it will become more impossible. So, number one, first and foremost, I need people to start thinking that they're a media company and a publisher more than they're an advertiser for their business. That this, the skill set that I think so many people will get in the future to succeed is how do I put a piece of content? How do I make a white paper? How many people here are B2B? Raise your hands. Great. So for, you, for your world, how do you make a white paper that's six pages deep, a presentation on Skillshare, then post on LinkedIn because Skillshare is owned by LinkedIn and when you use Skillshare on LinkedIn, more people organically see it. Tactic. How do you make a Skillshare that gives people value and it's not a sales deck for somebody to sign up for a free trial in your landing page optimized funnel so that you then become a client. It is just black and white, an incredible piece of information that all the construction workers, that all the lawyers, that all the CTOs in your target audience will get value out. And basically what I'm saying very carefully to all of you is I, I, when I wrote Jab, 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 Right Hook and the Thank You Economy, the, they were the two titles. There was a third title I never used. It was called Guilt Marketing. I basically believe that the place that we're going is unless you guilt your audience into doing business with you because you provided so much upfront value that you will get suffocated over the next decade or two of opportunities for the end consumer. And so that what I do every day is think about that. And so when I think about guilt marketing, provided value, where's the underpriced attention, I, I used to call, this slide used to say a year ago, market in the year that you live in. That we should be marketing like it's 2016 is what I would say. Market in the year that you live in because so many of you are spending time and money on things that worked much better in 2012, 2009, 2006. So it was market in the year that you live in. What's happened is with the speed of updates on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and LinkedIn, mobile devices, apps, VR, AR, podcasts, all this, with the speed, I've now changed it to day trading attention because you can't just decide what you're gonna do in January in 2017 and have success because too much is happening during the year. Right before Instagram became the thing that I think is the absolute kind of like current state of the union of social media, I was making content that said Instagram was in trouble. Snapchat was exploding and getting older. Facebook was far more successful under 30 than most people realized and I made a video you know, nine months ago or so that said, what's Instagram gonna do? It copied everything that Snapchat had. That's what they were gonna do. And it worked for them, but it's fun for me to know that that was day trading. There's a video out there that says Instagram's in trouble. I stand here today and say Instagram's the most important. So I, I think the biggest thing that I wanna make sure in my keynote I get across is the themes of the Q&A earlier, which is yes and yes and yes, and audacity, 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 
You have to wrap your head around the game you're playing in, which is the following. There is more information created now in 24 hours than used to be created in decades only 50 years ago. Like, let's just stick with me here. There is more content being created in 24 hours than used to be created in the decades of the 50s and 60s. Now, do you feel as good about your documentary? Do you feel as good about your poster? It gets hard when you actually understand what the fuck is actually happening here. And so what I believe is happening for all the business owners in here and entrepreneurs is that you need to wrap your head around the mindset of how you get yourself into a place of accepting this and then acting on it. And how does it become practical? The reason I brought up interns earlier is there's always supply and demand. When something emerges, other opportunity happens. Amazon, scaring everybody in retail in America and other parts of the world, right? Amazon is in the wine business. They bought Whole Foods. They now have liquor licenses in every state. Everybody at my dad's company, Wine Library, scared. (laughs) Me, excited. Why? Not because I'm a character or I'm trying to act cool. Because I go on Amazon's site and I find wines that Amazon has that we're selling for less and then I send emails to customers that say cheaper than Amazon, which is true. And then from a branding standpoint, it makes them think we're incredible because nobody's cheaper than Amazon on anything. And even though Amazon is gonna take market share, they're not gonna take it from me. In every single thing that happens, I just said, more content in 24 and 48 hours than in decades. Ooh, shit, how are people gonna watch my stuff? Meanwhile, more creators that are talented than we've ever seen before. Every single person here should write a blog post, send an email, make a video or make an audio piece of content tomorrow, hiring three content producers as interns or the lowest possible cost you can pay them based on the laws in this country tomorrow. You immediately have a media company at remarkably low price, including if it's allowed free, depending on the rules. And that's what you should be thinking about. Because if you do not wrap your head around that you were a media company first, I don't care what you do, if you do not wrap your head around that you were a media company first, comma, a lawyer, comma, a designer, comma, a sneaker salesman, if you do not understand that you were a media company, your business, like the earlier questions, you don't have to become a personal brand, but that means your logo of your company has to become a brand that produces content that actually has value to the target audience that you're trying to set. Now, don't take it very direct. Let me give you an example. I have a lawyer friend who's starting a golf podcast. He's starting a podcast around golf once a week. He's interviewing golfers, golf in the business, but he's a lawyer looking for other people to hire him as a lawyer. His strategy is that the people that are actively hardcore about golf in America are high net worth individuals who can afford the law practice that he provides. So that if he makes something that those doctors and other business people wanna listen to, golf, that because it's brought to you by this law firm, he will get the residual business. Now my friends, this is actually a tactic that is hundreds of years in the making and uniquely European. Let me explain. The Guinness Beer Company. The Guinness Beer Company started the Guinness Book of World Records 
because pub sales were down and they wanted them to grow and they did surveying and realized that people talked about trivia in the pubs and they decided to create the Guinness Book of World Records so that people in the pubs would talk about the crazy world records, reinforce the Guinness brand and then order a pint of Guinness. Michelin. The reason you've gone to a two or three star Michelin restaurant is because almost 100 years ago, the Michelin Tire Company wanted rich people from London and Paris to start driving to the countryside and stop by the gas stations and use up their tires so they bought new ones. So they started favorably reviewing restaurants, hotels, and inns in the countryside and then making a book that drove propaganda and media to the rich in those towns and people started going there for the best foie gras. Media as marketing for business results. What is old becomes new and that in a framework is the new strategy that I think has the biggest upside for every business in here regardless of what you do. How you get people to pay attention is the tactics that I'm most excited about. Whether that is Google, whether that is Facebook, whether that is something else, once you establish what your media is about, and listen, by the way, I'm standing up here, I am very, very empathetic that where I'm going right now for the last five to seven minutes feels like, phew. Like, like if you're running your business and I'm sitting up here and I'm telling you that you need to become the BBC or CBS or you know, like Sky Network, like I, I understand. However, please take me up on this offer and explore just a little bit. If it starts as simple as writing a very thoughtful piece on your Facebook page that you think the people that are the people that could potentially be your customers would get value out of, not you get value out of, they get value out of, you would be flabbergasted by the opportunities and the things that could happen. The young man over there who asked 47 questions, he listened to a tactic which I believe in that everybody here should pay attention to, whether you're trying to pick the people that you're gonna give a poster for free or anything else. The other arbitrage that I'm massively excited about and the tactic that I wanna give you here in the keynote is DMing people on Instagram. There is a phenomenon going on that is very intriguing. You need to make a list of the 50 to 100 people that you want to speak to. Whether you want them to be the spokesperson of your brand, whether you want them to be your first customer, whether you just think they're famous and you wanna be their friend. I want you to make a list of the 100 people in the Nordics, in Europe, in the world that you would like to have a relationship with for a business reason. I want you to then search their profile on Instagram. If you do not find it, go to Google and type in the person's name and the word Instagram after their last name so it shows up. I'm being very tactical here, very mundane, but I believe attention, arbitrage, is also a way for where is the best business development opportunity for everybody in the room. The best business development opportunity in this room is to not do what many people do, which is spam people on LinkedIn because nobody's paying attention anymore. It is to go to Instagram, find their Instagram. Some of the people you want will not be on there, that's fine. But the ones, the 83 of the 100, the 47 of the 100 that are, you DM them 
direct message, if you are not native to Instagram or don't understand that, there's a thing you can do, you go to Google and you search how do I direct message people on Instagram. (laughs) It will take you four minutes and listen, this is like a fun thing to do because you have to understand, this is what people ask. People are like, be more tactical on Keynote. Great, here you go. This is what it is, it's that basic, that's why, but this is super important because you were blown away by what happened when you started doing it, right? I'm blown away by what has happening on DM. I became friends with The Rock and, you know, and all sorts of characters that I never thought I would ever interact with because people's attention is on their direct message. Now, most of you will make the mistake that you will go in for the ask on your first writings. You will DM and you'll say, hey, Rock, can you wear my t-shirt of my brand? No, asshole, he will not do that. (laughs) But if you look at their last three or four posts, if you spend 10 minutes, don't forget you're only going after 100 people, this is the business that you wanna build, and see what they're about, and you look and you say, hey, Rock, I see you have a movie coming out that you're excited about, I wanna make some free posters for you, you know, or whatever it may be, if you bring value, in your first exchange on DM, you will be stunned. And I get this email 30 times a day, every day, just read three of them before I got back on stage, of people who've made the biggest business development deals of their lives on Instagram direct message in the last 30 days, singularly for the same reason that email worked so well in 1997, eight, nine, 10. Because how many people here had email in 1999? Perfect. Do you remember what we did in 99 with email? We read every fucking email. (laughs) We do not do that anymore. Supply and demand of attention. Something emerges, we pay attention, then a marketer and marketers and business people come along, they ruin it, and then we move on. That is why I talk about day trading of attention. That no matter if you have no money, or you have a huge business. You know, I love when people are like, if we get to Q&A and they're like, Gary, this is all great, Facebook and Instagram, great, but my company does $38 million and we grew 13% this year and we only do direct mail and conferences. What do you say about that? What I say about that, Hans, is what's wrong with growing 74%, asshole? (laughs) This is not about what works or doesn't work, this is about where is the upside to create even more success of whatever, you wanna raise money for a charity, this is not about this doesn't work, this does work, this is about the tactics and the strategy that is needed to maximize the opportunity, because here's the part that I have not told you. When I get introduced and they say, Gary built his dad's business from three to 60 million dollars in five years, and some people are like, you know, a lot of people don't know who I am, they're like, oh, that sounds good, you know, better than just some guy yelling and cursing on stage. (laughs) I sit in the side and I say, it should have been 200. And it should have been 200 because I was not day trading attention in 1998. I was, but I wasn't great at it yet. I had Google, I had Google, The first day Google AdWords came out, I bought every wine term, they were five cents a click, and I was converting customers for 47 cents, who were worth fucking $30 for me. What I didn't understand, because I was a kid, it was, it just, I didn't know the difference, is that I should have poured all my money into Google, not print and radio 
and television and newspaper, which is what I did. I spent much more on Google than anybody else. Nobody even knew what it was. But if I took all that money and all that energy and I struck when it was that good of a deal, I would have had a much bigger business and more success. And if you were here to have success in whatever you're trying to communicate, you need to understand that social media, which is a word that we made up, so let me say it a different way, that the current state of the internet attention is on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and that the opportunity to strike and maximize dollar amounts out of it is so extraordinary and that the only thing I want to say other than that is if you do it, you will be like some of the kids that raised their hand right now and said this good thing happened and if you're not, you're gonna raise your hand when I'm in Copenhagen in seven years talking about voice and AR. And you're gonna say, Gary, I'm listening to you because you were here seven years ago and you told me to do this and I didn't. And I watched other people do it and I didn't grow as much or I lost or I missed my opportunity and now I'm listening to you this time. I am saying this to put a flag in the ground to be historically correct. Facebook advertising is grossly underpriced and everybody here should move as much of their money into the platform as they possibly can And like these two chicks are high-fiving, so I don't know what is going on over there, but I can't wait to find out. (laughs) But I promise you they're not high-fiving because they've run Facebook ads and it didn't work. (laughs) And more importantly, watch this, this is important. How many of you have run Facebook ads and it has not worked? Raise your hands, should be plenty. Raise your hands, raise them high, don't be, higher. Raise them high, 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 high. It's important, thank you. Running Facebook ads and it not being successful, just so there's no confusion, is not a Facebook issue, it's a you issue. You did not plan the media properly, you did not make the words and pictures work properly, but this is not a debate. This is data supported. And I don't wanna hear that your customers aren't on it, because that doesn't exist, it just doesn't. And I don't wanna hear that your industry doesn't do well on it, because it doesn't exist, it just doesn't. We've sold jet engines on Facebook. And I'm very tired of going to meetings over the last six months where 70-year-old executives say to me for the first 30 minutes of our dinner, can you believe this Facebook? They need to regulate it. It changed the election, the fucking Russians, and Trump, and the Brexit, and the fuck, and our grandchildren, and this, and all that. And then we segue into their business, and I start telling them they need to spend more money on Facebook, and they go, well, there's no ROI there or my customer's not there. So, I'm making a very passionate plea because I want you to win for you to become a practitioner. Do you know many people here have opinions on Facebook marketing but have never run an ad? You've read an article in the Wall Street Journal. Congrats. You're a talking head. You're not a practitioner. You have an opinion off of two conversations with somebody you trust, but you're not a practitioner. You have an intuition, but you're not a practitioner. So. If nothing else, go spend $3,000 on Facebook with your money, you do it. I don't need you to outsource 26-year-old Karen. It's not a kid's thing. This is the most important place where the attention of our end consumer is at scale. And let me tell you one great thing you have. Because it is so underestimated in the Nordics by the media companies, It's underpriced because it's a marketplace. 
but the behavior of the users in the region are extraordinary in depth of attention. Scroll time is slower, which means there's more consumption. Age is wider. It goes younger here and a little bit older. And the companies are not spending, your big companies in this country are not spending enough money in it, so the prices are down. How many people bought Google AdWords in 2002, 3, 4? Raise your hands. For all the practitioners here, there's not a, one more time, bought Google AdWords 2003, 4? Right. For some of us here, go look, I don't know if you're still doing it, go look back at right now, tonight, what those words cost compared to 2002, 3, 4. This is the moment, strike on it, and if you don't understand it, don't outsource to an agency, don't outsource to your 21-year-old friend, start Googling on how I make Facebook ads, how I do creative for it, what works, start testing, and start using different variables. Next, how many people have 25 or more employees? Raise your hands, just trying to get a sense. So I wanna talk about employees for a minute. Culture. Um, This is managing yourself, three-person team, 10, 25. I'm a very big believer in starting to follow employees on social media and getting a better sense of who they are. Uh, I spend probably 90% of my media consumption just reading comments of the content I put out and the people in my community that read it and then I click their face and go in a rabbit hole and find out about them. We are spending not enough time listening to our employees, our vendors, and our customers but the place where you get the disproportionate highest ROI is when you listen to your employees. Retention on the employee level is imperative, happiness is imperative, because it leads to speed. And speed is the competitive advantage that you have against your competitors in your product and service. And when nobody's worried about politics or drama, they can worry about the work. And so I don't want to spend too much time on it based on the hands, but if you were managing people, and you've not had a sit down with one of your employees in the last six months or a year to find out what they care about today, whether that's money, work-life balance, title, fame, and more importantly, if you have an employee that is actually seriously important to your business, which oh by the way means if you have one employee and they're the only employee you have and it's you and them, and you do not have an understanding of what drives them, you need to have a two and a half hour dinner and create that glue because one of the biggest things I see in businesses and entrepreneurs in failing is the over-reliance on an employee that leaves and then they have to start all over for 18 months or are completely crippled by it. And the thing that could have allowed them to mitigate that disaster is literally a conversation. And if you're not a big enough man or woman to hear the feedback, well your company's gonna lose anyway. So not having the conversation doesn't address the issues that are happening within your company. So I implore all of you to start getting very serious about this because if we're having a business talk, the part about business that we don't talk enough about is empathy for our customers, but most importantly, for our employees. None of your employees, I love when people are like, Gary, in conference, Gary, how do I get my employees to work as hard as me? You don't, Frederick. No employee should ever work as hard as you unless they have the same equity in the company as you. The audacity that employ, my dad would pay people $12 an hour and want them to work as hard as he did. And it would always make me laugh. And I know it's very Russian and I get it, cultural fine, but it was super interesting to me. I'm like, dad, they're making $12 an hour. You own the business. 
it's hard for them to care. And so uh, I really, really, really wanna push empathy for the humans that you're doing business with because it's how you become the best salesperson, it's how you become the best manager, it's a default of thinking about the other person, not yourself. Tactics, one more time, it seemed like a lot. One more time, I apologize, but give it to me. B2B businesses, raise your hands. Let's talk about LinkedIn for a little bit. LinkedIn's ad product sucks. And it's unfortunate because it could be so great. And it could be so great if they just literally copied Facebook. Like if everybody here could run ads with creative against the titles of people's jobs, you would have the greatest tool of all time. Because most of you in B2B are selling to people that hold one of four to five titles. It would be remarkable. It's not there yet, it's got a high floor, it's not a low floor like Facebook and Google. But I'm seeing things that are making me ambitious that the promise that they were gonna be better three, four years ago is finally maybe coming here. I think Microsoft sees it, I think it's coming. Which is why, if you follow me carefully, I've been doubling and tripling down on my LinkedIn content myself because I'm trying to understand it better so I can give better advice to GE and SAP and the clients we work with. And so I highly recommend that if you're a B2B player that you start allocating real dollars to LinkedIn even though there is a way to target people on Facebook. Let me, give, let me paint you a very tactical thing, B2B. I want you to run two different tests. LinkedIn, but let me give you a very detailed ad product on Facebook that I think is enormously ROI positive. On Facebook, how many people here have spent over $50,000 in Facebook ads with them doing it, not outsourcing it through an agency? Raise your hand. Okay, three. Okay, so, no, it's fine. It's what I thought and what I actually hoped. And that's a big number. Facebook, if you're not a practitioner, you don't know what the capabilities are, right? You know, if you've never opened a Swiss Army knife, you don't know what's in it, right? There is a segmentation in Facebook called employees of. Everybody here in B2B can run pictures, videos, or words against people that are employees of specific companies in their Facebook feed. If you understand how powerful this is and what you can do next, you'll start unlocking some incredible business opportunities. By targeting the employees of, and now you know that your product is sold to the CIO, or the CTO, or the CFO, or the director of logistics. Now, your copy, or the video you make, starts with, does your CFO know? Does your product managers understand? Want to save time for your accountants? If you literally verbatim articulate in written or video form or picture form the does the person in your company that is this know about this and then you follow it with information, a compelling video, a how-to, what have you, we have seen ungodly amounts of the following. You run $1,000 in ads against five companies and anywhere between three and 74 employees of that company forward that post to the decision maker and it is so extreme and unusual that if the creative is good and you jab instead of right hook, that it has been one of the greatest conversion rate advertisings we've seen in any shape or form over the last half decade and it is a B2B Facebook ad strategy. So I can't wait for two months from now to get an email from one of you that actually ran this and felt the results. So please take that and run with it. 
Look, I think that we should talk about voice because I think that is something that a lot of you are gonna have to wrap your head around going to the next 24 to 36 months and this may be a place where some of you have the personalities where it feels overwhelming to catch up to everybody on this social stuff but the excitement of being first on the next thing is just your personality trait and you'd like to invest and that feels more exciting because you don't feel dumb and you feel smart. I don't know what your insecurities are but I promise you here's a very important thing to talk about, voice. Besides money, health, and religion, time is the fourth pillar of the things that drive us. All of you do so many things like give up privacy to save a little time every day of your lives. It's how we roll. Uber sold time, not transportation. Many of the things you choose every day are you buying time back and you're willing to pay the margin for the convenience. I believe that audio in our society is the next frontier because it is selling back time. How many people here consume my content? Raise your hands. Raise them high, I want everybody to look around because I'm about to show you something pretty interesting. Of those people, how many of you have started listening more to my podcast in the last year and watching less of videos? Raise your hand. This is remarkable. Like, this is, thank you, this is remarkable. I would say that's 30 to 50%. That same question just a year earlier would have been non-existent. What is happening is podcasts are growing. How many people here are actively listening to a podcast? Raise your hands. It's incredible. How many of you were not doing that just three years ago? Raise your hands. Yeah, this is fucking it. And this is day trading attention. You've gotta watch these trends. Sound, audio, it's saving us time. While you're commuting, while you're doing something else, you're able to consume content and because we underestimate the brand, the brain and our ability to multitask, you're able to do something else as well and are you completely holding everything? No, but you start, you know, it's the reason, do you know how many people should be dying based on how many people text while they drive? (laughs) This is an interesting thought and I'm glad you guys reacted. The amount of people that should be dying because of texting and driving is enormous. It's still higher than we'd like to admit but The reason it's not happening is we can do more things than people realize at the same time. And that is what sound is doing for us. Podcasts, but the one that's gonna save us way more time is what's coming up with Alexa skills and briefings on top of the Amazon Alexa, the one that's coming from Google Home, the Apple HomePod, and whoever else decides to enter, whether it's Samsung or Facebook or somebody else. Because when you get into a place where you're brushing your teeth and you say, hey Alexa, reorder my toothpaste and it's done, you're living in a totally different world. What do you guys do when you're running around your life and you remember that you've gotta do something? You take out your phone, most likely, and you do something. That will normally take you somewhere between 14 seconds to text somebody to two minutes to write a note or call somebody. I don't know how you roll but I can tell you that time is the thing that all of you will trade on and the biggest white space to change your business in the next 24 to 36 months is gonna be about your investment to understand how your product and service can penetrate the time quorum. AKA, if in 2007, 8, 9, you decided to be good at Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter, you would have some of the things that happened to me because I went all in. You need to figure out the same thing for time because the skills and briefings, for example, Mark my words, five, six years from now, everybody will wake up 
and they will treat one of these devices like the morning radio. Remember some of you woke up with the morning radio alarm, it would go off and your favorite morning show, radio show would start talking. Your news and weather and da da da. This is what your device is gonna do. You're gonna all download apps, skills, to your voice device and your first seven minutes of the morning are gonna be curated with your bank account balance, with the weather, with your favorite sports team's update, with the six most important things in your business, with your schedule. You will listen passively. Now you grab your phone, go to the bathroom, take a poop and look at your phone. In the future, you will wake up and the first seven minutes will start talking to you about things and you'll start interacting with it. Alexa, change that meeting, cancel that, tell Tyler I wanna go to Copenhagen three hours earlier. It will be you and the machine. And I highly recommend that you start getting serious about it. Don't believe it? Let me show you some consumer behaviors that you would find interesting. How many people here by, remember, lying is the devil. (laughs) How many of you here by show of hands now get annoyed when another human being calls you? Raise your hand. Stand up, do me a favor, get up, I mean it. I want everybody to see how dramatic this is. I see some of you didn't do it yet, thank you up there, look around, look up and down. I'm gonna give you two more seconds, keep staying up, please keep staying up, keep staying up, I want everybody to see this. I'm gonna give you another, I'm gonna ask it one more time in case you didn't hear it. You are now upset, annoyed, like why would that person call me, they can text me or email me. You are genuinely, you react poorly to another human being calling you. Look at this. This is something that was the most standard way we communicated 36, 48 months ago. Thank you. More than half this room is upset. Literally, come on, mom, fuck you, you know? (laughs) Text me, I'll call you on my time. Listen. Do you know how many people here, because this is not just 18 year olds, didn't think they were gonna get a cell phone because their pager was good enough? I remember those days. Do you know how many people here were not gonna text because texting was for kids? Do you know how many people here, 36 months ago when they saw emojis for the first time, thought it was the stupidest shit of all time, but last night sent a poop emoji? (laughs) We see new forms of communication and we resist them until we realize they save us time. That thumbs up emoji has saved me a lot of time because it's quicker for me to say good instead of okay, K, good. It's just speed and if you're not paying attention, we are going so hyper and that is why sound, voice, is the next frontier. If you can figure out how to build an Alexa skill that helps people with your product and service, that is a gateway drug then to your overall product and service. You know how some of you have tried to come up with free eBooks, free trials, free this, free that, gateways into you. If you are able to provide that in sound, in voice, if you then figure out how, when, you have to understand what happens. How many people, anybody here build an iPhone app when the app store first came out? Okay, what happened was there was a land grab. There was not a lot of apps, but we all had the phone, and so we went in there, and there was not as many apps, and we picked the apps that we wanted. There was a land grab. There will be a land grab. How many people here have been the, in the Alexa, the Amazon Alexa skill store? How many of you have been in there? Raise your hands. 
right, about seven, eight, nine of you, right? So you've seen, right? It's interesting. There's stuff there, but not a lot of stuff, right? This is the white space that I recommend for the people here that are really trying to leapfrog, who are willing to, like the first question, eat shit for 24 to 36 months, stay around, stay around, stay around, and then let the market come to you. 2009, 10, 11, 12 of VaynerMedia, no company wanted social media. What's the ROI, what is it, it's stupid. Are talking about us on Twitter? We don't want people talking about us, don't let our employees, but we stayed around, we stayed around. And if you're a stay around player, if you're young, if you've got the dollars to invest and you're worried about being at the mercy of Google or other things and you want to diversify, or if you just generally believe what I believe, which is that technology is eating up our society and technology is not a thing, it is oxygen, well then you will get very serious about the last 10 minutes of my rant here about voice and you will go to Google and you will search how to build an Alexa skill. What's the difference between an Alexa skill and Alexa briefing? I'll give it to you quickly. A briefing is dumb, you just record something and it plays. A skill is AI and technology and you can interact with it. It's more of an app. And so I think this is a huge space. It's the one I'm most excited about. I have not invested in startups for the last 15 to 24 months because I hate them all. I think everything's overpriced. I think everybody's an entrepreneur. I don't think anybody's interesting anymore. I think it's all club promoters that now think they're entrepreneurs. It just sucks. But this is the first time I feel ready to invest again because I went to Seattle. I saw the incubator that is only people building on top of Alexa. It's creative shit I never thought of. I saw an app that you say, Alexa, I'm starting to read the book. You read a child's book, you start talking. The boy ran through the street and Alexa starts making it sound of a boy running in the street. And as you're reading, Alexa is complimenting you with surround sound. He jumped in the puddle, it started to rain. I, you know, it's funny, I, I don't think you can zoom in, but maybe you two can see it, my goosebumps. I sat there and I said, oh my God, no child will be read a book in seven years without background noise complimenting the content. Right, you understand? It's just so interesting. There's just so much, and let me tell you when your shirt's collar is sound activated, and you, when Alexa starts making deals with Ralph Lauren, and your collar is there, and anything you think that you need to create lack of friction of, you just say and it gets done, we will all be addicted to that because that is speed. And if you could be the, Alexa, I need a lawyer. All of a sudden, Google search is in trouble. And so we live in a world where we've accepted the reality without anticipating what's coming next. Some of us lived in a world where Yahoo was the biggest search engine. Some of us lived in a world where Microsoft was the company that we had to regulate because they were too big. We forget that this is always gonna keep happening and the only thing that you should be religious to and it went away is the attention of the end consumer and what's overpriced and underpriced. What's too early, VR, in my opinion, is too early because you've gotta stay alive for quite a long time before people do it at scale. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, we'll see. But we have an incredible, incredible decade ahead of us. I wanna remind everybody here, Actually, how many people are retiring in 12 years? And I don't mean you're gonna come up with some big idea, crush it, and buy an island. I mean you're fucking old and you're finished. 12 years, raise your hands. Okay, there's about six, seven of us. 
I want to remind everybody else that 12 years ago, almost everything we talk about did not exist. Not Uber, not Facebook, not YouTube, not the iPhone, nothing. And so I implore everybody to understand what I'm trying to do in this talk, which is change your mental strategy of what you're gonna need to be successful. This is not about running a simple Facebook ad. This is not about learning what an underpriced or overpriced influencer is. This is all those things, but unless you have the mindset of patience and empathy and really understanding the reality of the marketplace, there are people here, my friends, there are multi-billion dollar international companies that will be out of business in five years because of what's going on. Do you think your eight million dollar year business is safe? The level of audacity of the entrepreneurs and business people in here who have a $50 million business and think they're good because they've been good for the last 15 years is extraordinary and it is going to create a ton of carnage in the entrepreneurial and business landscape because the skill sets that it will take to survive this next 15 years are going to be extraordinary. Do you know how many of your friends are out of a job once people understand the power of AI and machine learning? I mean, do you understand the ramifications if blockchain ever actually hit full scale? It arbitrages out the need for countries outside of weapons. We are living through fucking crazy times. And people think it's like some silly update like the iPhone 10. This is not this silly shit. This is the most macro thing that has happened to human beings. In just 20 years of consumer internet, we have watched the internet tumble dictatorships create new dynamics in the most powerful companies, excuse me, countries in the world, take down the biggest companies in the world. Amazon has become the biggest company in the world or the potential biggest company in the world by using Google Ads, the first seven years of Google Ads. That's who the biggest advertiser was on Google Ads. Attention arbitrage. Where is your customer? What do they do? And why are you holding up what got you here instead of figuring out what you need to do to still be around. The great mental flaw of this room <laughs> is that you put on a pedestal, if you're successful, what got you here, without realizing that is exactly what gives you no chance to be successful going forward. For all the accolades and all the cool things going on with me, nothing matters that I've done yesterday and behind. It is always having the level of humility to know the customer's right and to be religious about what the customer's doing and then providing value to the customer. Nothing else ever, ever, ever. Thank you. That was a good one. Gary, two years ago at Elevate, the, uh, the main speaker, he was talking about how only 5% at max leaves a room like this, leaves a conference like this, and really deploys any of the knowledge that has been... That was a very optimistic dude. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I guess I'm insane if I have a vision that that number should be much higher. Nonetheless... It's not going to be. It's, it's not. And I'm not trying to cut you off. It's because what I'm trying to do right now is make the number be two people to three people because they're gonna get mad that I'm calling them out. And I'm trying everything, love, hate, oil, vinegar, honey. I, I'm trying everything on you to do something about this. But unfortunately, it is, people 
run their lives on defense and fear. I'll fucking do it. Good. <laughs> and, and, and to me, uh, I hope that you bring this up, me doing that, him doing that. The stakes are very high. And I think the reason we got tricked was the world didn't change for 70 years. My friends, the growth from the 30s to 2000 were minor when you understand what the internet's done. They were big, stuff happened, but there's nothing like this. But I guess you agree then when somebody actually does do it, then it's also fair to celebrate it. Yes. And instead of just asking for, to put it, the name on the t-shirt, but when somebody has actually done it, then it's also fair enough to do something about it. So, um, this guy that we see here okay. is Mess. And uh, Mess, I don't know if you can say that he's the Danish version of you. Okay. <laughs> in terms of getting views, he's pretty good. Yes. And in terms of building a personal brand, he's done pretty well for himself. So, um, we really would like to celebrate when people do something. So, among all the people who have t- asked to get some time with you and get some time in front of everyone here, I think uh, that Mess is a, is a worthy candidate. That's awesome. So, uh, Math, Mess actually has the first question for you here in this following up Q&A. But if I know him right, this is going to turn into a little bit of a weird thing. I hope he keeps his clothes on because half <laughs> of the times when he speaks in public, half of it goes off. But, Mess Myers. Hello, Gary. How are you, my friend? I like to be myself when I talk to you, so if you don't mind, and everyone else, I'd like to drop my shirt. Yes, <laughs> understand. <laughs> and I know this might seem odd, but as a 16-year-old kid, I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to go to schools and help people build their own self-esteem. I really care about the youth. And as someone who suffered from feeling different, because I had this huge fucking scar, on my stomach, you can see shit, but it's okay. But it's 24 centimeters. And if you imagine an iPad in a vertical way, that's the length of my scar, which is a lot from a small boy. So I learned to dig into the topic that you really dig, which is self-awareness. And I learned a lot about myself until I was capable of standing at a stage and talking to people. And when I finally got that thing going where, you know, I got this shit, I started to tell myself, if I cannot walk the talk social media-wise and preach my message just like I do nowadays, then I'm shit. So I did, and everything escalated, and my brand started growing and going from... I live in a basement, um, (laughs) which is quite nice. But going from the basement to becoming a national speaker at schools was something different, and the pressure grew within the last five months, which I love, because I got a lot of speaking jobs, so that's nice. Um, I usually say I'm a stripper, which is because I drop my clothes. Not that the principal's office like, hello, but you don't. But the point is, as the pressure grew, how do you, as an international speaker, with all of your attention, how do you cope with all of the pressure? in terms of hate and everything that goes on? Um, Quite easily. Um, From a very basic thing, I know what my intent is, and I'm very grounded in it, Um, and I deploy enormous amounts of empathy to my haters, 
When somebody leaves a comment on my Facebook or anywhere else that I'm a charlatan or a snake oil salesman or my daddy gave me the money to build the liquor store and I shouldn't be listened to, I understand why they say that. Um, I know it's not true. And, uh, and you know, it feeds me in a very good way. Um, and so for me, to be very honest with you, brother, it's been very easy because when your intent is pure and comes from a good place, I think about succeeding in one very simple story. There are two ways, my friends, to build the biggest building in town. Step number one, just build the biggest building in town. (laughs) Step number two, build a decent sized building and then spend all your time trying to tear down everybody else's building around you down so you end up being the biggest building in town. My friend, 95% of people try to do number two. But when you know you can build the fucking biggest building in town, you do that. And so because I know what my intent is, I just don't value anybody's opinion about me, including my parents and wife and children, more than I value my opinion about myself. Thank you. Before I leave, not directly leave, I'd like to give you something, Gary. This is not wine. This is something that has a great importance to me because everything I've done in the last two years building my brand has been built upon something different and those I give this to is only to those who inspired me, for example you, to create this content in this way, being me. So I'd like to give you something. Fantastic. I'd like to give you a rubber duck. And this might seem odd, but whenever I talk, I talk about becoming the ugly duckling, standing up to yourself, giving zero fucks about everyone else. That's where I preach to the youth at least, that's why I'm naked. well, fuck, if I had a six-pack, I'd be naked all the time, too. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to give you this, Gary. Happy for you, buddy. Nice to meet you. Continued success. I mean, that takes no courage. If I was fucking ripped, I'd be like, yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. And now we officially gone into the Q&A. <laughs> yes, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And we have the next question from uh, Mess. No, that Where was are us. you, Mess? <laughs> what? That was mess. That was mess. Oh, oh. <laughs> Next one. Line. Line. Oh, oh, you missed one. One back. Oh. oh. One back. One back. There we go. Oh. Whoop. Yep, good. Women <laughs> and technology, right? Who's that? Yeah, Lene. Hey. Oh, she's right here. Can we have a mic, Lana? Yep. She's yeah. coming. Thank you. So, I'm by Lene. the way, by the way, This lovely lady who just brought the mic is wearing Vans sneakers. If you do what I do for a living and try to understand culture and how things happen, Vans, 30 months ago, got very aggressive in paying Instagram influencers to wear Vans, and that is why Vans is back. Period, end of story. Everything else is secondary. That is why so many kids are wearing Vans for all the people that are wondering why they see more Vans today. Period, end of story. Just trying to help. Just trying to make you see that it's happening. This is not coming. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Um, 
Uh, first of all, thank you, Gary, for coming. I'm a big, big fan, thank and you. I've been listening to your podcast for more than a year now, thank hours you. and hours and thank hours, you. which makes it a little difficult, actually, to ask questions. Because right, because you know all the answers. I know <laughs> the answers. But before asking the question, I just want to uh, thank you to say thank you to Casper uh, for actually um, taking the risk, bringing you here. Um, for all of us in Copenhagen, small country. So um, I think we should actually clap it up for Casper. Yeah. Yeah. And actually that is along the lines of the question I've, I've formulated up there is because I think Casper must have uh, suffocated some excuses to do what he's done. Yes. And um, I'm working on all, all, on all my excuses, but um, and I see you working on people's excuses. A lot. So, not being Gary Vee, yeah. how can I sort of inspire people to around me to work on their excuses? By, do, you know, it's funny, I, long before I was Gary Vee, this is what I was doing for my high school friends who were doing stupid things like drugs and alcohol or driving drunk because they wanted to act cool in front of somebody. This is just about self-esteem. It's so simple, it's almost overly emotional for me. This is about self-esteem. The way I choose to do it, and you know this is how I do it, is I go directly at it. If you're, you can, every one of us can think of somebody we care about right now that's just not doing it right and all you have to do is sit them down and tell them they're not doing it right, but we don't want to do that because we'd rather not short-term hurt their feelings and let them fail long-term, which is remarkably crazy if you give a fuck about somebody. So what can you do as not Gary Vee? Have the actual conversation and tell your sister, your mom, your uncle, your aunt, your child, your best friend, the next time they come up with an excuse, that it's a fucking excuse. The reason I say the thing that if there's anybody that ever looked like you that made it, then there's no excuse, yeah. is because I believe it. You know, it's really hard, you're in an argument and the, your friend tells you, that's great, Gary, but both my parents were alcoholics and that really fucked me up, right? Now you're on the defense, that's a good first punch by them. I'm like, cool, we don't need to use me. If anybody has ever been successful that had two alcoholic parents, which, by the way, I know of three, well then, now what's your excuse, Karen? We are just so interested in blaming everybody else and excuses because we don't want to take on responsibility. And somewhere a long time ago, I went completely, I only take, do you know I think everything is my fault? Like, all of it? Like, I think it's weirdly cloudy outside right now and not nice out, my fault. <laughs> like, his scar, my fault. Like, I fucking just default into my fault and everybody tries to do everything else the other way. And let me tell you how good life becomes when you take on responsibility. It gets real good. Uh, some of you, and there's a lot of you that follow me, you know why I keep bringing up the last scene of Eight Mile, the Eminem movie? How many people have seen that movie? Great. The last scene, they go into the battle, he makes fun of himself the whole time because it leaves the other person with nothing. The leverage is in being accountable of everything. The leverage is exposing your weaknesses. I proudly talk about passing on Uber twice, being a DNF student. You know, I proudly talk about my shortcomings, right? I can't wait for more bad things to happen. I mean it, because I will talk about them, because what, you're so fucking perfect? Fuck you, right? 
So how do you do it? You have the conversation and you realize that you're doing a disservice to the people you love the most by holding your mouth shut because you're not willing to deal with the short-term conflict. Stoyan, where are you? Stoyan? Are you here? Okay, then I will, uh, then we will take the next one. Okay. Yeah? What? What's the oh, question? Oh, it's a good question? question. Good. Okay, then we'll <laughs> do, do it. it. What is it? Do you, do you have a mentor, yourself, or a mastermind group of people you meet on a regular basis and discuss business matters with? Nope. Nope. <laughs> And, and, How's that for a and, good question? And, yeah. and this is interesting. I'm trying to figure out if I can bring you value in this. Nor have I ever. My mentor is you. It is far better for you to look up to the 31 people that leave comments on your shit than to watch me more. My mentor is the market. My mentor is your attentions and your behaviors. So... I've, outside of my parents, I've never put it, I don't know anything about any business person ever. I've read five books in my life. I'm not part of any group. I consume no content. I, I consume the market, which is why I see these things, because I watch what you do. You know how Wikipedia and YouTube, you start watching something or reading something and three hours later, you're learning about like redheaded Eskimos, <laughs> right? That's what I do with people. I, I get a lot of comments now. 70% of it is I'm the greatest fucking thing of all time, which feels nice. 10% of it is I'm a piece of shit. And in the 20%, there's people trying to leave something thoughtful. Of that 20%, 5% of it is thoughtful. They figured it out, they got it, and then I click their face. Who else do they follow? Oh, they're getting tricked by that one, but they got this, why? Oh, why are they taking pictures of you know, music festivals? Why are they drinking beer? Why is craft beer moving? What did it, and seven hours later, I have a pulse on something that's happening in the ecosystem. I didn't invest in Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr by accident. I'm not hanging out with the hip hop stars that are the next Kanye and Drake by accident. I'm doing real hardcore research of the thing that matters. You're my mentor. Line. That's you again. Amazing. Listen, you're super fucking talented. Yeah. Own it. How do you bring a plan? I can read it. How do you bring or plan on bringing your own children's perspective? Meaning? Um, well, you talk about a lot about perspective and yes. gratitude. Yes. And um, I guess in Denmark we're sort of all very privileged. And you talk about your own children almost having. A sort of a, a you know a chip on their shoulder coming now with with you in the you know yeah because the yeah. level of disrespect I have for them is extraordinary <laughs> yeah. no really I mean like like you know when you know that's a natural reaction to people that are handed a lot of stuff it could it can go one of two ways yes so so um, so my children are very privileged yep how do I give them or bring them the perspective the gratitude. They're so, 8, 10, and 12. Oh, sorry, 8, uh, 12, and 14. This is the great challenge for so many of us. So first of all, there's something that I've watched. I, this is something I've been passionate about long before I had them. Now it really fucking matters. And it will matter. You heard me earlier say, 
forget about what I'm doing, how they come out is going to be my legacy, so I care. Um, first of all, for everybody in here, you need to wrap yourself around something most parents don't wanna wrap their head around, which is you can't fake environment. The amount of rich friends I have who send their kid for four days to Africa to build a school and think now they're grounded is fucking ludicrous. You can't fake environment. If you are privileged, you are privileged. If you are not, you are not. The great gift and curse for all of us is we had too much or we had too little. Then your DNA and parenting and environment take over on which path you decide. What I'm doing is there's a couple things that are my religious 10 commandments and I'm sticking to those and everything else I'm unemotional about. So number one, kindness. Kindness is non-debatable. If Xander and Misha ever deploy meanness on somebody else, especially based on how much money mommy and daddy made, I will physically punch them in the face. That's number one. Kindness is not debatable. Number two, they have to really love what they're into. I have no interest in my kids being an entrepreneur. I have no interest in my kids being a showman. I want them to be what the thing they love the most is. Number three, there's no such thing as fourth place trophies. All these privileged kids are being protected from hurt feelings by parents today, which is why they're gonna suck. <laughs> because in real life, you come in fourth place and eighth place. So in my Upper East Side of Manhattan culture, there's a lot of eighth place trophies and everybody's fucking great at everything. I tell little kids that are six, you suck. <laughs> Their parents get mad at me, but I'm like, Ricky sucks at golf. So no make-believe. Um, and then number four, almost everything else does not matter. Number five, update the list as soon as I feel like I have to, in real time, as soon as I see something that makes me have to update the list. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Casper, can we get a mic run out to Casper? <laughs> you look surprised. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is this one? Yeah, okay. So what personal skill and not a business skill do you believe to be the most crucial for anyone to develop in order to catapult one's business to the next level? Empathy. I, I can't let it go. I can't let it go. I need you to have it. I don't know how to develop it. Don't go buy bullshit courses that teach it. You know, before you do it, be thoughtful. But if you have empathy, you have everything. It's just so big. It's so big. It makes you incredible at sales. I'm a great all-time salesman because I'm empathetic. I basically can't even live my life without, I watch my mother, and I, she has it too, but we have different, obviously we're different. <laughs> She's the centerpiece of every single person that knows her. Her empathy for everybody becomes the leverage of everybody needing her. And she took it in a way, and I got the benefit of watching it, that I think allowed me to find a little bit of a better lines in the sand where to stop and start. And I'm different in a lot of ways, businessy and competitive, and we're different. But when you have empathy, you have everything. And uh, I just, 
you know, there's a lot of things I care about, right? Gratitude, it surely makes you positive if you have perspective on that, but if I had to pick one in the way you're asking, it's empathy, man. If you just, like, all of you care about you, not your customers, not your employees, not your vendors, and I get it. You have to take care of your family. I get it, but it's the way. If you care about them more and figure out what's left for you and what to do with it, you will have for the rest of your life. And I'm sure it's very biblical and very faith-driven and very altruistic. It doesn't make it any less true. Empathy. Yes, and uh, we have gotten some notes okay. while you were speaking. Liridon. Kaludra, yeah, can we get a mic one to him? All the way back? Hmm? Yep. Hello, Gary. How are you? I'm good, thanks. You? Great. <laughs> uh, I have a question about passive income, and okay. I want to know what kind of trends do you see for a person interested in that? I don't want to be stuck in an office nine to five for the rest of my... Well, passive yeah. income comes in two forms. 97% of the form is the douchiest, shittiest thing on earth, and 3% is the tried and true thing that has actually created passive income in the history of mankind. So let's find out which side you're on. How are you thinking about, when you say passive income, do you mean some, what do you mean? I mean not having to work all day long. I, I want to be in a, on a beach in Mexico instead of being on an office in Sweden in no, cold November. Are you being serious right now? Yes, yes, I'm serious. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> the quickest way to not be on a beach in Mexico is to think that passive income exists. It's a, it's a bad mindset. I really believe that. I think the reason so many scum buckets are making so much money is because you're buying stupid fucking courses over and over thinking there's some fucking magic formula for passive income. Passive income looks like this. You take money that you can afford to go to zero and you put them in the two places that have historically created passive income. Public markets that you don't care if it goes up and down and you just wait to the end or real estate and you hope that your real estate area doesn't get crushed. Everything else almost doesn't exist. I'm thinking more of real estate because I've been involved in it in Sweden. Love it. And uh, for all the Danish people, it's uh, pretty like uh, the government is very restricting on uh, creating a real estate business. It's a lot of taxes. It's really hard if you don't have the money in the beginning. And so shouldn't I'm, you work your face off to get money, not buy dumb shit like a watch and then put it into the real estate? <laughs> yes, I should. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, look, you know, and I think you know, and I'm happy I could see your energy. I'm so passionate about this issue. There are people that are ripping people off at the level of hundreds of millions of dollars because they're selling this dream because they made a video with pretty girls in a beach in the background and are making people spend a thousand, two thousand. It's, it's breaking my heart. Passive income doesn't exist and anything that starts with I don't want to work is already a problem. What you need to do is I understand I don't want to work in an office or something I'm not passionate about. What I, the best way to make money is to make less money than you're making now, enough to still live, because you gotta live, around something that does interest you because you wake up eight years later and it's something good is actually happening. So it's not, the, everybody wants to make it the extreme of I'm sitting in my job, I hate it, 
this sucks all the way to beach in Mexico, but there's a real in between, which is why I wrote Crush It, which is at night, when you're done with your shit job that is paying for the life that you have to live right now, A, you don't take some of that money and buy dumb shit like 17 beers watching the World Cup. What you do instead is you work on something on the internet that costs you nothing to start, save all those dollars, build something for yourself over seven years, and then transition from the shit job to your own business. That's passive. (laughs) Okay, thank you. And now for a very exciting question. Jakob Biermann. Yeah, can we get a microphone up here? Thank you. I'm looking forward to hearing this, Gary. Yeah? Yeah, very much. Okay, good. It's an exciting question. Put pressure on me now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, Gary. Hey, brother. Uh, I've been following you since 2010. Thank you. Been deploying both Crush It! and the Thank You Economy, and it's really changed everything I've done. Thank you. I published a book this year. Congrats. Been doing the content marketing ever since with the guilt marketing perspective. I want to show it to you later because I've tried to give you some attention in the book even though it's on strength training. Thank you. My question for for today is you've been talking a bit about meditation and mental practice as being the next big thing, if you would call it that. Yes. But I kind of feel like it seems that you're a bit afraid of doing it yourself. I am. For what and why? Because my head is perfect and I don't want to fuck with it. I'm being dead serious. I'm being dead serious. I, I, I could be completely out of my mind, but I am so happy, always, that the thought that meditation may do something and open up some tunnel in my brain that takes, when you are 100% happy, the fuck would you fuck with that with? <laughs> but, but, as you said, it's good to grow, but why not grow even more you're in right. a business sense? You're right. What I'm scared is, I genuinely think it's 100. And unlike business, 100% of something doesn't have 101. But what if it's 80? That's a great question. But in a world where my intuition has been everything for my entire life, and my entire intuition is like, fuck you, I'm gonna listen to me, I'm gonna listen to me. (laughs) That's why. That being said, as you you may know, because you've been paying attention, I did meditate twice now, once in a company. I'm I'm telling you, I'm telling you my truth. I mean, this is, you know, I invested in a company called Inscape. It has a studio in New York and an app. And then I did a podcast where Dan Harris made me meditate on the show. Um, it didn't go well. Uh, I tried to shut off, but I couldn't. Um, I, I'm making some jokes. I, uh, on a very serious kick, I'm not super duper scared of it. There's a lot of truth in what I just said, but I'm not against it. I've already done it twice. I could see myself meditating in the future. I genuinely think I'm meditating in real time always. I really mean it. I'm, I'm pulling so, I'm, you know, some of you that are meeting me right now, I'm a real, Enigma. I'm pulling in a lot of contradictions. I'm carrying a lot of conflicting thoughts. You know, I desperately care about you so much that I'm reading every one of your comments, yet I actually don't give a fuck about what you're saying. Right? Like, I'm doing a lot of weird shit and I feel like it's creating that balance and I think when I audit the market of what meditation can do, it lets people close out the noise that's bringing them into negativity, reset, refresh, whatever it may be, but 
You're absolutely right. On the record, in the same way that health fitness became an incredible industry over the last 30, 40 years, I believe that mental fitness, meditation, is going to be a quadrillion, trillion, billion, trillion dollar industry. Apps and studios and the t-shirt brand and the headband and food that is, enables better meditation and every cockamanian thing that every fucking entrepreneur comes up with, meditation is going to be one of the massive commercial plays. And then people that have been in it for a long time in the Far East and India are gonna be super pissed because it got commercialized. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and that's fine because more people, I, I'm excited to watch it because I think a lot of people are gonna be helped because we're just starting to have the right conversation with each other around mental, illness and for some of us like myself and others who've been around people they love so much that have it and you didn't know it for all those years you just thought it was a bad attitude or a bad personality uh, I'm excited that we're gonna start putting this in the right place in our culture over the next 50 years and I think a lot of people are gonna be helped also because you've been talking a bit about Silicon Valley also with the problems with suicide and so on yeah in, in that sense it, it would and, and to be honest with you, it's more entrepreneurship than Silicon Valley. The biggest fear I have right now with entrepreneurship is it's such a personal loss. Guys, there's a very big difference between your business failing and everybody watching it and you getting fired from a job. And if you don't have the makeup to being an entrepreneur and dealing with that and you were meant to having a job but you're doing entrepreneurship because it's cool right now, you were gonna struggle. And I'm scared because I get the emails every day. I'm not guessing. I'm not predicting. I get 15 to 20 emails a week that allude to suicide, that tell me that a video they saw. Huh, Mats, have you gotten an email about people emailing you and saying they were gonna commit suicide Thursday but they saw a video? That's right. Now whether they're telling the truth or not, even if one in the thousands of emails that him and I have gotten, even if one of them is telling the truth, think about what that feels like. We have to have straightforward conversations. No fourth place trophies, you gotta tell people the truth because we're playing fake and then when real shit happens, people are not equipped to deal. Kirsten. Yeah, so we're here, can we get a microphone over here? Thank you. Thank you, and thank you for allowing me to add in the question last moment. It's a good, uh, it's a good one. So. Uh, I'm the head of sales at, uh, at an old family company here in Denmark called Flemstead Mobiles. One more time. I'm the head of sales yes. at a family company here in Denmark. For three generations, we've been selling mobiles to the world. Uh, art, basically. Art? Yes. Okay. So not, not phones, but um, pieces of art hanging from the ceiling. Amazing. And for many years, uh, our sole customers have been brick-and-mortar shops. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> you see where I'm going with this, because now we have more and more customers who either set up their own online shop or even start dealing via Amazon. So now my wholesalers are calling me up saying, that guy's selling into my market, you got to stop him. This one is dumping the prices, stop them. And legally, I can't, and I'm not even sure I want to, but I want to ensure the coexistence of the two, the online shop and the brick and mortar shop. It won't happen. You're, you don't have enough leverage to make them coexist. Yeah. 
I was hoping you might you know, give, provide me one tip in you know, a way I could support my old and faithful customers. Some of them don't even have email. By telling them to get fucking email. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to help you. Yeah, yeah like, I know. Because if you hold on even 1%, you're gonna lose. And I can see you have good intent. Tell old well, man to Joe honest, to get a fucking We email. wanna support our old customers and uh, we don't even have our own online shop because this old family company didn't want to compete with our own customers. I understand. But I'm, I guess I'm realizing that we need to. <laughs> There's a very good reason third generation companies go out of business. They hold the past on a higher pedestal than the current. You've got the answers. Listen, I'm empathetic. You got into a third generation, you not being a family member, in a third generation family business that has had success for a hundred fucking years, uh, the problem is tough shit. I'll tell them. You got it. <laughs> you know, the quicker, you know what you can do? Something you can do is create a workshop for all your old school customers and bring in speakers that are talking, you're gonna have to educate them that's you doing the noble thing to help them, but you can only do so much. But you're gonna have to educate them and you're gonna have to start sending signals that you're not gonna protect them. Because they're playing defense and think you will. And the quicker you don't play fourth place trophies, we have to trade on merit. It's too bad. But I wanna remind you that those shop owners who are about to go out of business, they put somebody else out of business. Why are we protecting the current establishment? They put the people that used to sell art outside out of business. Right? Like anybody who's winning now had, means they took it from somebody else. I, people are like, we've gotta protect supermarkets. Why? Why do you think they're called supermarkets? Because there used to be markets. And then they came along and made them super and put the other fuckers out of business. <laughs> right? And one day somebody's gonna say, we've gotta keep Amazon alive. That will happen. And to that person, because I'll put it on film right now, fuck Amazon. They had their time, and now it's time for Shmamazon. Uh -huh. That's it. That's it. Now, isn't it amazing that you came to Elevate? Maybe we will save a 100-year-old company just because you came here today. Now to another question that uh, your answer might help that he can become a 100-year company. Thomas Sinding, where are you? Yeah. Yeah, Mike Brown, over here. Thank you. They're really snappy, aren't they? Oof. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> um, first of all, um, I run a small company, two persons. We do a lot of uh, content creating. I've been, for the past year, working with a Danish athlete, uh, creating his content. He's a race car driver, <coughs> driving Le Mans and stuff like that. Nice. We're doing it for free for him for a whole year now. And it's about time that stuff happened. Yep. What is your... Um, Ask him for money. Yeah, and I know that, but <laughs> my thought is, uh, 
should I be very honest with him and ask him how much do you earn? I'm thinking about can I can I get five or ten percent of what you earn Are you for out of what your I fucking do? Mind? What? You're not gonna get five to ten percent of what he I earns. I don't know. That's why no I'm asking shit you. you don't know. Um, so <laughs> let's start over. Uh, how how much do you want? I want to make a living. Respect yeah. off of one fucking guy. No, because actually I work full time or oh, more than full time at my day job. Understand. And I work like thirty. 35 hours in my own company. Yeah. Like almost no sleep and do you stuff have, like that. Do you have any sense of what other people are charging personal brands for content? Nope. How much output are you giving him? I'm giving him almost all of his output. Like, what, what is it? Uh, we've done 10 episodes of, on YouTube with like 10 minutes of content. Like, good really, stuff. I, I think it's yeah. good quality. Cool. Like, let's, let's assume it is. Yeah. How about Instagram? Uh, all of his posts almost. How many? Like, uh, Five a week. Five a week, 20, okay. Yeah. And what else? Facebook, the, the real old school PR, like press releases and stuff like that. Why are you doing that? Because some of his, in, in Denmark we still read the papers and stuff no, like that. No, I understand. That. Yeah. Everybody, everyone still reads the paper. Yeah, but the papers are also online now, so. But when you say press release, you're writing a press release or you're updating his fans on what he's doing in written form on Facebook? Both. Okay. Um, what else? Like, I don't know. Do you engage, do you guys reply on his behalf on Twitter? Uh, he, yeah, not on Twitter, but on Facebook and Instagram, yes. Okay. And emails. And, and how many hours are you guys putting in a month? I don't know. Like maybe 30, 40 hours. And you and your partner or just you? Uh, overall hours. Overall hours. Like 40 or something like that. Yep. So... You know, I think, you know, $1,500 to $5,000 a month is what okay. you need to be thinking about. And then one more thing. You talked about the DM uh, guys on Instagram. I actually did that yesterday, but it didn't work out. How many times did you do it? Just once, and the guy's name was Gary V. Yeah. Gary V got 4,000 DMs yesterday. I know. I know. <laughs> Just to tell yeah. you. But, but, but I'm glad you brought it up because I want people to hear this because we brought it up earlier. Yeah. You just gotta keep, DRock emailed me four times to offer me to make a free video. Imagine if he stopped at three. That's the answer to that question. Thank you. You're welcome. Now we need to hear from the hungry E. It's just signed E, who wants to get hungry again. Is it you? <laughs> My I God. didn't picture you as the hungry E, bro. No. <laughs> Can we get a mic runner? Mike. Can we get a mic runner? Thank you. <laughs> Take it away. Yeah. How are you? Thanks. Hi, I'm Irvin. Pleasure. Um, so I came to Denmark five years ago with almost nothing, and um, I got to work really hard. I got to work really hard, uh, just night jobs and so on. Then uh, I started volunteering a lot, and... Um, Kind of after five years, I made it, so to say, in, uh, in, on, in my own terms. And now I, I find myself not working anymore from two to seven in the night. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a bit concerned that, uh, is, is this it? Like, how can I push to, to go for, forward? Are you, are you worried that you're content and you're trying to yeah. get the spark? Yes. Maybe you need to do something else. Maybe you're content in what got you here 
Yes. Wine library. I built one of the largest liquor wine stores in America and I did it. And I was like, wait a minute, the liquor laws are bad. This doesn't feel like it's it. I made it, you know. Um, I, did, I started a YouTube show. Maybe you made it, thank God, in, in what you, I don't know what you do. Maybe you need to do something completely different and have the thrill that I always have, which is the climb is much more fun than the stuff. It's, what, it's, it's that great guy in the back, the good looking guy with the beard. I want him to love the process, not the idea of the Mexico beach. Maybe you're like me and you love the process so much that now that the process is not fun, even though the money's there, even the opportunity's there, you're missing the spark, the climb. You know why I love coming to Southeast Asia or Norway? I, I wish none of you knew who I was. That's the climb. People think it's the other way. I don't want anybody to know who I am. That's actually probably my biggest fear is the game of like getting known. You know, I plan on getting to all 7.3 billion of you. And then when that's done, it's gonna be like, fuck, do I have to go to Mars or, you know, like, you know, so I think that I have a feeling it might just be that you're looking for a new process and a new start from the bottom to build up. Uh, how can I know what to choose next? Just pick something. It's a really interesting question. I really believe that. Like, there's, I don't know you, right? But there's things that are on your mind. I would start with interests outside of work. Like, if I would start something, like if you're into video games, I think esports is about to be one of the biggest industries in our society over the next 30 years. Maybe you don't know anything about esports, but you like video games. Here's the chance to start. I was looking into it, actually. Yeah, so now, from 7 p.m. to 2 in the morning for the next four months, you learn everything about esports and then you decide what you want to make. I think you want the process, which is incredible because it's gonna lead to a lot of success, which is why you've probably figured out how to win in five years because you loved the process so you were willing to eat shit and work at night and be patient and that's why you got somewhere. Now you got somewhere and you're like, wait a minute, fuck, you're calibrating, you're young, you need to go out and do other new processes. If you've got complete flexibility, I would do it around other things you like, music, sports, beer, like I don't know what your interests are outside of it, but you start there, because that's a double, I mean, Vayner Sports, me and AJ are building this sports agency, it's a real fun thing, like we're gonna kill everybody, and it's gonna be a huge company, and it's fun to talk about football, like we know about trades before they come out in public, you know, we like it. So I think if you can do it around something you like, I would go and look and discover the business behind the things that you're interested in. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Yes, Mason, hmm? can we get a mic runner? Thank you. Mason, Mason, Mason. Hmm? Hey, how, how are you, Gary? I'm really well, you? I never thought I'd be nervous talking to a guy, but. Woo! <laughs> 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 That's uh, super flattering. I just want to th thank you for two things. Yeah. One of the things you changed my life. And uh, two years ago, one year, one and a half year ago, I was just sitting at home doing videos, professional videos, and I thought that, that, that was gonna change my life. I'm an artist. First of all, I learned to be a media company first. Uh, you taught me that. And I had so many videos, like professional videos, and had a team making those videos, and they didn't do shit for me. So I just started seeing you, listened to what you had to say, and I was like, fuck it. I just used my phone, started doing, uh, <laughs> just started fi filming, you know? And just like, with the first video after I saw you, just got me like 700,000 views. Jesus fuck. The first, first video, like four days after I saw you. 
for four days after, I just made another video, the same amount of views I, I got. It changed what, my whole. On, on what platform? On Facebook. On Go Facebook. Figure. So it changed like my, my everything, everything. And uh, I'm just listening to you every day. You know, I don't know where to start. Uh, sorry. I never th I'm a speaker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what I'm trying to say is first of all, I mean, I know you, like, you started with immigrants. I'm a refugee. I came to Denmark, so I know the hustle. I came with nothing. I think Denmark is the greatest country of all time. It's just like the opportunity we have here is just like amazing. I'm living the American dream in Denmark. <laughs> so, so when I started doing those videos on Facebook, it just like changed everything. And then, then it just started like giving me opportunities. And I just started to realize that actually I'm doing a living. I'm living just by branding, personal branding in, in Danish on social media. And um, it just gave me like jobs after jobs after jobs. I don't even know what my title is. People ask me, what are you doing? I don't actually know what to say because I'm just saying I'm living my dream. I don't know why, but just because I have this attention on Facebook, it just give me like so many options, so many opportunities. I'm crippled by opportunities, just like you say. You know, so it, that's amazing. So thank you for that. I know you live like you're running a marathon, and uh, it's your legacy, and I respect that. I love that. For, I love you for that. So uh, first of all, thank you for that. Uh, the yeah, thank you. Uh, the, the, the second thing is just like, just to let you know how mu much of an impact you have on me, because like when everything starts to get crazy, uh, like I have like this this year, like one year after I started doing those videos, I have like. It's some stage called Bremen Theater here in Denmark. It's just like a huge stage. I have it like in this month, it's almost sold out 600 seats just because I'm using your tactics on Facebook. It's crazy. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the thing, number two thing I want to thank you for is just like because, just to let you know how much of an impact you are, I, I have like this dream, I want to buy this, uh, this car, Mercedes. And I had, to, yeah, just like my dream car. I test drove it because now I'm fortunate I can afford it. I test drove it for half an hour, and all I was hearing in those half an hour was your voice. What the fuck are you doing, asshole? <laughs> so, so I was just like, I couldn't do it. So I was still driving around in a shitty ass car because I'm pursuing my dream. <laughs> so, oh man, when you have that mindset, you become more likely to buy Mercedes, the company, than that bullshit car. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So my question is, now I'm just like, I'm still new, I'm still a baby in this, like, I'm still so new, uh, but I speak English and I speak Arabic. Love it. So I started so like... You have, a huge, you have huge upside. Yes, I, I realized that. So I started like, I made a video, one video on Facebook uh, in Arabic, and just it got like 40,000 views. I was like, holy shit, what's happening? And I love Denmark, but we, only, we are only 5 million here. And I know if I put... The, the energy that I'm uh, doing right now in Danish because that's not a big of, of a market and I, I have like this dream of being the, you know. Um, so let me bigger. tell you something real quick. I don't yeah. know if you've seen this. This is something I'm about to double down on. I speak English. I fully understand Russian but I'm out of practice so speaking it. So I'm basically one language. I understand two. But we're transcribing all my videos into every language. So you could do them in three different languages but be smart. With the technology that we have now, and as you keep building up fame, if you make a video right now and saying, I'm looking for interns to translate my content from English to all languages, like, you know, whether it's English or Mandarin or Arabic or whatever you decide to be the pillar, to your point, Danish is smaller, you're better off translating it into Danish and things that actually in written word. 
But the answer to your question is, don't overthink this one. Just gonna, I was like, just pick one, I'm gonna save you time. No more wasting time on things that don't matter. 99% of things don't matter. Technology is here. You will be able to translate every one of your videos into any language you want and over-index in Portuguese and Brazil and Mandarin in China, so don't over-debate which language you want. I would keep, if I were you, I'd be making all three in Arabic, Danish, and English, just to keep testing, seeing, see what happens, you learn, right? Don't worry about 40,000 views versus 150,000 views, because you're learning, it's not about that one thing, it's about buying Mercedes, not driving the Mercedes, and got it? So, that's what I would do. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I wish for all of you, the feeling that that kind of exchange feels like. I wish for all of you that. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, Kevin. Yeah, can we get a mic runner over here? Over here? <laughs> you can do some stretching while you wait, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> I don't stretch. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding. Meditating. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey. Hello, Gary. How are you? I'm fine, you? Amazing. Perfect. Um, like, if we go back some years, cookie-based tracking was like really the shit. What was? Cookie-based tracking in online marketing. Yep. But now we are like uh, more into the people-based tracking. And I think it's more important and like it, you can do more with it. What do you think about the whole Google and only Google-based tracking versus people-based tracking from Facebook and Instagram and so on? You mean, you know, intent-based word? versus what we're doing behaviorally? Yes. I think they both matter. You think they both matter? Sure. I think like if somebody, so let me tell you another tactic that maybe somebody wants to try. As you can tell, when you do the tactics, good things happen. There's an ad product on YouTube which allows you to run a pre-roll video based on what people search on Google. So I can run ads on people who search, you know, motivational speakers but even though they're watching a skiing video, I can put my pre-roll video on them because I understand the intent-based data. The creative has to be great. My first three seconds on the pre-roll has to be great because none of us want it. But intent-based marketing is very powerful and extremely good for sales. Facebook is much better for branding, high impact. He's not He's making videos, he's not getting jobs because he says, and click this and on the landing page and night. He's getting it because he's building a brand and they're not coming to him, the halo effect. That's much better. But marketing and sales both matter. And if you're good at both, you've really got the game. And so I, I just think both matter quite a bit. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Now for a really personal one. Bertil. Where's Bertil? Bingo! Can Great. we get a mic run up to Bertil? Bertil, right yeah. there, right next to you. Yep. Super. Hello, Gary. How are you? I'm good. Um, my question is, how do you deal with people uh, who don't um, like believe in your vision or understand it, and especially when those people are your friends and your family? I look, I, I, I like it. I like it a lot actually, to be honest with you, because, no, I really do, I, pref I prefer it. Uh, 
I even think I communicate in a certain way to make people confused so that more people don't believe in me. I like it, Beth. Like, I think it's incredible. I think it's the most fulfilling thing in the world to achieve something and look at one of your friends and say, I told you so, asshole. <laughs> like, you know, I, look, I said it earlier. And I, I, look, this is a tough question for me and let me tell you why. Through DNA, through circumstance, through parenting, I actually am not kidding, I prefer it. Other of my dearest friends, my sister, for example, she does not prefer it. You know, but what I can tell you is, at the end of the day, when you're 94, actually, I got attacked. Can I, can I recommend something? Go spend one day volunteering at a retirement home. If you want to fix this, I've got a way for you to fix it, potentially, and do something very nice to the world. You, as a young man, go Google retirement homes. I know, I don't know if that's a, is that a culture here? Like there's, okay, good. Because every culture's got, go and email every retirement home near you and ask them if you're allowed to volunteer for a day. Then go and volunteer. When you're volunteering, make sure you do whatever they tell you you need to do, but every minute you have, talk. Because they want to talk to you anyway. What you are going to learn is a lot. And the biggest thing you're going to learn is all those friends' and family's opinions at the end of the day aren't going to matter. And you're going to have a lot of regret. And the scariest thing when you look an old person in the eye, when they know there is no more 10 years, it's always about regret. It's always much more about what they didn't do than what they did. And I don't want that for you. And I think the one thing that may set you straight is a nice full day at a retirement home. Thank you. All of you should do that. It's a really interesting thing. I'm about to do an episode with it, DRock, because I've been talking a lot about it. Uh, perspective, you know, regret. I lived my whole life, everything you've been, you want to capsulize everything, a lot of this is about regret. It's the one that you can't fix at the end. And so many of you right now are living your lives based on what your parents want you to be doing. And you're, gonna, you're going to resent them. You're creating the culture of a bad relationship with them, not a good one. You're just putting a Band-Aid on it. I'm letting it go to the masses. So uh, do we have hands? Yeah, do you want to pick one yourself this time? Yeah, that kid yeah. in the corner actually, ironically in the same area, I noticed yeah. him earlier, so let's start Perfect. with him. Perfect. Hey brother. Mm -hmm. Hi Gary, I want to ask about what's your opinion on blockchain? I think blockchain is the technology right now that has the most potential to disrupt society. I think people are grossly underestimating what it means, what it's doing. Blockchain is creating infrastructure around trust and trust between all of us with each other, with nobody in between. Not central banks, not leasing companies, not even governments. I think that it has the potential to create the global next war because it's so big. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. What do you think? My personal opinion. Yeah, go ahead. My personal opinion, I really like it. <laughs> I'm really uh, bad at listening to myself while I talk, no worries, so I stop accidentally. But uh, I like it a lot. I look Why? into it. I mean, I think it's a really interesting new architecture, I guess you could say, yep. because it's almost 100% uh, 
I mean, it's decentralized, so there's no one controlling it. That's right. And um, I mean, it has a lot of power, I just think. I don't know how to explain it. Do you, do you think that China and America and Russia are going to let it see its power? I mean, I don't think they like it, but since it's decentralized, I don't think there's any way to stop it. Sure there is. Mm, can you give an example? Sure, they can start suppressing their citizens. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't have a counter answer to that. <laughs> okay. I, don't, I don't either, by the way. I'm just super, I don't, the reason I'm exchanging right now is mm -hmm. I don't, people are like, Bitcoin, guys, get educated on what's actually happening here. Like, pay attention to the conversation we just had a minute ago. This is a big deal. I don't know. I don't know either. You got something on it? Blockchain is a protocol, I guess it's an infrastructure. I don't know what, the, what people are calling it. What is it, a protocol? It's essentially a big network which every piece of information is stored in blocks and it's publicly viewable so everyone can see it and verify that everything is true. And, and there's mining technology that creates the people Yeah, that that's the it. ecosystem. The ecosystem is around miners, which are machines. It's, it's basically, you and I, you will sell me your home in 11 years and our transaction will happen on the blockchain. Nobody else, Nobody else which means all those fees in between you and me. So, you know, I don't talk about it a lot because as you can tell, I don't even know every terminology. I've been paying attention, I bought Bitcoin four years ago. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm watching, um, but fuck, it's heady. <laughs> I, it's, you know, I'm laughing because everyone's like, Bitcoin, I'm like, Ugh. do you know what Ethereum is? Do you know what blockchain is? Like, this is very intense. Mm -hmm. what, you know, I think it's youth naivete that says Russia and China and America can't do anything about it. It is literally, literally, literally the thing that can undermine them. Yeah. They're not that interested in that. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thank you. Okay, you got it. Speaking of technology, the tech guys want you to uh, put it a little closer to your mouth. No Can you do that? Thank you. Next question. Do you want to pick one yourself? Yeah, how about the dude all the way in the corner there? And then I'm going to go to that. Yeah. We're going to go to that dude next. And then I want to pick a lady. <laughs> Got you. I see you. Hey, Hi, Gary. My name is Mas. Um, my question concerns business-to-business -business sale. Yes. Um, what is your biggest advice within business-to-business uh, -business sale? Is it customer relationships? Or is it a challenge through Facebook or LinkedIn social selling? So usually the answer is, hold the mic. What is your, you know, your talk, so I love that you started with customer retention, right? Mm. I think everybody's hunting, they forget about farming. Usually yeah. the best way to build a real big business is to keep the ones you got as much as getting new ones, right? Mm. Um, to, to hunt or be hunted. What's that? To hunt or be hunted. That's right. Well, to me, it's more about hunting and farming. Being hunted is your competitors, at least how I think about it. To me, it's farming. You got something, you got a seed, and now you cultivate it, right? You don't want customers for one year, you want them for 11. It's a far more interesting model. My question to you is, what's the biggest vulnerability, in your opinion, the hunting or the farming right now? in your company? Mm. Retention or acquisition? Uh, it's actually acquisition. Great, it's probably because you're spending marketing money in dumb places. Probably, yeah. Good, so don't. 
That's a good advice. Thank you. <laughs> but like, you know, we, you know, obviously, I think it's Facebook and LinkedIn. I think it's influencers. I think it's long-form content. I think it's starting a podcast for the industry. I think it's white papers. I think it's videos, short and long-form on Facebook. I think all that stuff works. Okay, thank and you. And as you know, when you look under the hood, most B2B companies are spending 5% of their money on all the things I just said, and 95 on Google, spamming on LinkedIn, B2B magazines, direct mail, trade shows, sponsoring dumb shit. Actually, it was a good advice earlier about the targeting the co-workers in the, in the companies that you want to target, yeah. And then make creative, because I want to make sure everybody's listening. It's not just the targeting. You got to make the video say, does your head of finance understand? Or you, know, you got to set that person up because the, that employee may be a secretary, a salesman, a, a, you know, an IT department person. They're not going to just, they're not, it's not for them. So the way to make it for them is asking them, does your CEO know to make, you know, you're looking for somebody who cares about the business and it's like, oh shit, you know? So be smart. The content is the variable of success. I got in front of you here today. Now the talk was gonna be the variable of what happens with us going forward. The content is the variable of success. He looked at, I, you know, I smiled, I almost stopped him, but he was on a roll. He said, I owe it to you, your tactics, his execution. He heard me, he understood Facebook video. Facebook video has more upside than YouTube, it's easier to break out. The end. Like, he understood, he watched carefully, I got to him, but it was his charisma and capability to storytell that has made him successful. There's plenty of people that have listened to me and made a video and nobody fucking watched it. Cool. Thank you. Is it on? Yeah. Yep. So thank you so much for um, for your time. Of course. And I'm a guy who's like I like systems and practical stuff. I'm like sorry. Recipe. I'm I'm a big fan of like practical things and sort of like recipes in terms of how to do things. Okay. And what I want to know is what would you do to grow an influencer organically on like social media, Facebook, YouTube, these platforms? Organically. Yeah. Uh, on Instagram, I would use 15 hashtags as the first comment after the post, after I spent 40 to 60 hours understanding which hashtags were the perfect balance between a lot of people use them, but they're not one of the top 25 because I'll never penetrate it because I'm too small. Got it? Number two, I would DM as many influencers in the same 50 mile radius or interests if the person can travel as me, and I would DM them to figure out what I could do for them in return for them collaborating with me and taking a picture on their account and tagging me to siphon their audience to me. Yeah, perfect, got it. Cool. What about Facebook and YouTube? YouTube I'm gonna punt because the organic nature of YouTube is so predicated on the creative and collaborating is far more intense than taking a photo, so I'm just gonna punt it. Facebook, I would, email people that have media pages around the, what, what, who's, what does the influencer do, what genre? So entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship. I would go to every entrepreneur media site on Facebook and email them and ask them if they wanted any of the content that this person was producing for free to post on their page. Okay, perfect. Now, now everything I just told you on the DM and the emailing, you're gonna get one out of every 50 people responding, so you need to hit 37,000. 
Perfect, okay. <laughs> I got one last thing. Punt it? Uh, uh, it's an American term. When in, when in football, when you play, if you don't get a first down, you punt to the other team and they start over. I'm just saying take YouTube and fuck it. Win on, <laughs> win on Instagram and, and Facebook first and then leverage that to build on YouTube. The stakes are just, it's just too hard supply and demand and tactics on YouTube to break through. There's a lot of titles and thumbnails. Even I haven't really fully penetrated. There are people that are better at it. I don't like to give advice when I don't know everything. And, so, and I also know the other two right now are underpriced. Perfect, thank you. You're welcome. My friends, I know a lot of you don't know me and you've been, we've been hanging for a little while. That was a very tactical question. Others have been so fucking philosophical. I just need people to understand. We'll go right to this lady over here. Um, the philosophical strategy stuff is way more important. Like a lot of you like that last question, like a lot of you liked it. I know your personalities. But I'm telling you that's the commodity. There's 8,000 answers to that question on Google if you search how to grow organically on Instagram. Finding somebody that communicates to you that breaks through your mindset and creates a new strategy, that's the ROI. And I may be that person today and I may not, but continue to seek somebody to get you in the right place if you can't get there yourself. Hi. Hi Gary, my name is Fabiola and uh, there is a lot of men uh, fans of you and there is also a lot of women, and I'm one of them. Thank you. And um, maybe people look at you and think, Gary Wee, he's so confident. And, but what about me? I'm, I'm not that confident. Right. So what is your biggest uh, secret to become... More uh, this, confident? Uh, yeah, be more fearless and yeah. take chances to step up where maybe people are hiding. Yep. yep, so you know how earlier I said I don't know how to teach you empathy? Because I don't. I used to answer this question the same way. And then the cool thing about life is you get wiser, you watch and something breaks through. And I actually have an answer for this and I'm, I don't say it a lot and I'm super pumped you asked me so thank you. You need to do two things. You need to start hanging out with people that are overly confident. You need to look around your world, friends of friends, go to meetups, look in your office, remember a friend from college or high school. You need to become friends with more people that are confident and tomorrow you have to cut out one of your friends who's pessimistic and negative out of your life. Not totally, but you don't need to talk to her or him three times a day, maybe three times a month. This is an energy game. So, are there something that when you are thinking about it, you are still afraid of? I'm afraid of snakes. <laughs> I'm not afraid of anything emotionally. Other than death, even, even that, I'm starting to finally get there in the last two or three years. Um, nothing emotional. Nothing emotional. I'm afraid of the health of my family. The help of your family. That's okay. it. The only thing I ever, like, eh, you know, is thinking that my kids and wife are flying to Florida the other day, and what if that plane, like, that's tough. Mm. Um, but only that extreme. Not, I don't think anybody can do anything to me, which puts me way ahead of everybody. 
I do not believe that anybody can do anything to me. And that is more about me taking responsibility more than anything else. Once you eliminate that, mm. once you don't think anybody else has any effect on you, once I have, I have something else, which is the cousin to that that makes me strong, I don't expect anything from anybody and I've never done anything ever in my life with an expectation of something in return. That's ahead of 99% of people. But when you started, uh, there must be something you were scared of where you just was, oh my God, I cannot Not, handle this, uh, no. people, no? <laughs> the, only th the only thing that was different when I started professionally than everything I just told you mm. is I was fearful that people would feel that my dad handed it to me and I would never get the credit I deserved. Mm. But that was a 17-year-old mindset that evolved pretty quickly. You know, okay. I took care of that in the first 24 months by growing the business from three to 20 million like that. Okay. Yeah, so um, thank you so much, Gary. You're welcome. Listen, listen. For all of you, two new friends that are confident and positive, cut out one person that's negative, including if that's your sister. I'm being fucking serious. Already did. It, good. <laughs> I mean it. It's not that like you cut them out and you never talk to them, but you have to reframe the conversation because negative energy, misery loves company, is the currency that nobody is talking about. That's how you get more confident. You're around people who want you to win and they make you... <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it for you. For my hardest core fans, I'm the one doing it for you. I'm so confident that you... You know why, why I have made more people do things? Because we create such an intimate relationship in the way that I'm producing content and interacting with you that there's almost a weird friendship even though I don't know you yet. So that if you fail, you feel like you could be like, Gary, you could like blame me. And I love it. I'll take every blame. Okay, I just have the last question because how are you actually uh, communicate to influence like you as a, uh, I really want you, I can, I can be honest, you say I should be honest. I really want you on my podcast, Fabiola Share, because I want the greatest leaders and the biggest visionaries. I'll do people. your podcast. Okay, that's a deal. Thank you. You're welcome. Email that was me, all I needed. <laughs> email me at Gary at VaynerMedia. Yeah. Say, I was the woman that waited to the bitter end to ask to be on the podcast. I will get Tyler involved. <laughs> T. Schmidt at VaynerMedia. You can watch the videos of this if you forget, but I'm Gary at VaynerMedia, and I'll do your podcast, and then you'll go to every other leader, and because I did your show, they'll do it too, and because you asked, something good will happen. I fucking love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Ah! All right, let's give it to, let's give it to her. Uh, to this lady. Hi, Gary. How are you? I'm your favorite fan. You know why? Why? No, actually, favorite public. Is because I don't know you. <laughs> and the only reason I'm here today yes. is actually very funny. Go because ahead. you probably DM Tony Robbins. Yes. And I saw you on a video with Tony Robbins, and I'm a Tony Robbins girl. Yep. And that's why I'm here. And I didn't DM Tony Robbins. No, Seven years ago, Tony Robbins I'm emailed me and asked me to speak at his conference because I create content so people ask me instead of the go. other way around. Then I should ask Tony how he did it. <laughs> but congratulations. 
So, go, I so I did that some. episode with Tony and that's how you first became aware and that's how it started? Yes, exactly. Okay, go ahead. And because the name of my company doesn't matter, but it, it, it has something with elevating people. And the reason I'm here and I've been sucking out everything you said because I've been writing every word that comes out of your mind because I believe we learn from people with experience. I talked about it with Casper. A lot of people think that knowledge is power and I think that application of knowledge is power and learning from somebody who takes all that knowledge and puts it into, applies into this work, I can learn something from you. I agree so, with you. I started my company two days ago, doesn't matter what I sell, what I do, but I'm in a place where everybody here would love to be because I have a market and I want to be very smart with how I come out with my product. I have been giving value to people for the last three and a half years without asking for anything. So I have how? a market how? by showing up, uh, giving talks, uh, uh, doing uh, voluntary work for a, 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 a non-profitable uh, non organization. And 1.2 million people know who I am today. And they basically say, what is it you do? What is it you sell? We can buy. How do you quantify that number? Rotary International. Do you know What's what that? that? Rotary International. I don't know what that is, but go ahead. Well, Rotary is a, 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 a non-profitable organization doing good in the world. And I promote fundraising for, for doing good in the world. doesn't matter. I have a product at the moment, which is a, a service, and I'm standing in a place where two days ago I started my company and I haven't really come out with the product because I want to ask the very crucial question. Fast first or second safe? Should I let somebody else go out with my idea and try it and learn from all the mistakes? Or should I be the first one now, I'm an entrepreneur in my, in, my, in my core because I started two organizations and I know I'm good at it and I put 18 hours a day and I don't see my children. I know I can do it. But now it's money. Until now, I've been doing it for fun. I've been doing it voluntarily. But now it's like putting my own money out there. Should I let somebody else do it first and then learn from all the mistakes? Or should I just go head first and learn from my own mistakes but then somebody else will learn from my mistakes and go faster? Why can't big. you learn from your mistakes first and go faster too? Well, because until now, I wasn't attached. I started two organizations. No, no, no real quick. That, not, no. not the personal mental question. Yeah. You said that you're going to go, for, you know, you, get, you painted a picture and you said, and what I'm worried about or debating yeah. is if I go first, somebody's going to see the mistakes I make, they'll go second and faster. And I understand, you know, this, you know, everybody, the early bird gets the worm, the second mouse gets the cheese. Right? Yeah. I understand the theory. It's very basic. Because my market let me, is there. Let me, let me tell you something you need to reconcile. No purebred entrepreneur ever thought about going second. So you have to wrap your head around that. You, when it wasn't money, you were deploying entrepreneurial tendencies. You weren't being an entrepreneur. So you've got to wrap your head around that. The fact that you're even debating it. No, actually, I'm not. It's something that came up since I met you. Because you have applied all those things that you're teaching us on your own business and you got better and you're very good at saying, okay, uh, 17 years ago I wasn't so good at it. I wish I could have done it better. And today people are doing it better because of your experience. And so you should just do it. Just do it. Because the only thing, I can't see the, I don't know, we're not spending enough time here unless you're worried about the failure I'm and not. Other, other people's opinions. Absolutely not. Then you've created a fake narrative Amazon and Google and me and others, we went first, we failed. Plenty of other people here, they went first, so forget about it, I'm not, I didn't wanna put myself with them. People that have won here have gone first, failed, 
fixed it and gone faster before anybody, you've created a fake narrative that somebody's gonna be second. First of all, nobody gives a shit about you. True. Or me. True. So nobody's really watching. So let's start with that. That should make it much easier for you to go first. Uh, second of all, the person that goes first and fails nine out of 10 times is the one that adjusts and goes fast again. This second mouse is not as cool as you think. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we would love to take more questions, but uh, unfortunately you're also moving forward and uh, we have a lot scheduled for the rest of you. But I would like to ask a question uh, regarding the whole mass in here, because Elevate for several years has been a community, a community of people coming back every year. I can recognize many of you sitting here, but we have also many new people here. So what uh, is your best advice to Casper and everybody else about how to create an amazing community? An amazing community for the organization's benefit, I assume, which is which would be right. No, also for each other. Many of the people here are doing well, business together yeah. and have learned each other. Sure. So it's super yeah. simple. You mm. create a framework that allows them to communicate with each other, mm. whether that's through email or a Facebook group or an app that you build. You'll decide how to do it. But the biggest ROI for people here is for the people that are the least extroverts and won't go up to somebody right now and say hello and exchange. Who are you? is the ability to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. um, there's not, the reason I ever go to anything is for the follow-up email. I, I don't go to many conferences, but I'll go to a lot of dinners where I don't know anybody else. And I'll be 12 people from different backgrounds. The 99% reason is because once I make context, the email that comes the next night that puts everybody on the same thread I can pick the three people that I want to email out of that and say, hey, let's follow up on that or let's do business together or I can help you or I've got an employee that's ready to move on who's great, she wants to be an entrepreneurial person, not an agency, you should hire her. The great thing that you could do for everybody here in this community is build a framework that allows them and pushes them and helps them and coddles them. That woman almost didn't ask if we didn't hold on a hundredth of a second longer. She almost didn't ask for the things she wanted to ask and since she did, it's going to change, at some level, her business and her life. She, we all were just here. She was this close to not asking. <laughs> she, she didn't ask. Luckily, we putched around for a couple more seconds and she fucking finally got the, and she went there, right? <laughs> There's a lot of people here who are literally right now sitting next to a person that can change the course of their lives and career and they're not gonna say anything to each other because that's not the way they interact in life. And if you could do anything that gets them to do that, then you're doing them a great service. Yeah. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the audio experience. It would mean the world, and I mean the world, if you could go and leave a rating on iTunes. Your word of mouth is my oxygen.